With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. You'll be sick of the sight of me. I am now presenting on a Friday until Laura is back. And I'm joined by Brian Degnan, regular Friday contributor, and Alan Morrison from Celtic by Numbers. Tell us where to find you, Alan. Where can we find your your blog and also your channel? Yep, so Celtic by Numbers on Twitter and my own website. Um, the Huddle Breakdown is the podcast that uh, we do on a weekly basis, collaborating with some more talented people, to be honest. And uh, yeah, that's mainly, and, and hopefully, you know, here occasionally, which is uh, which is always fun. So thanks for having me on. It's always good, Alan. I mean, mm. I, I go back to the days when, you know, back in the day when it was an audio 
podcast and we used to do a show called A Celtic Stat of Mind and uh, Kevin Graham and you used to bat back and forward various opinions on players like Chris Iyer and Ryan Christie. We've moved on since then and um, it's in full technical. There's loads to discuss though, um, as is always the case with Celtic. We'll be talking about some of the big talking points, but the strap line is really going to bring in a few different discussion points because it will inevitably lead to a discussion on Yakamakis. Um, but obviously, we're in January. We're in the throes, Brian, of the January transfer window. Are you concerned that this particular deal isn't going over the line as quickly as some of the others? Or are you just looking at it and saying, listen, it's a deal-by-deal basis. This one isn't going to be as easy. There's loads of other interest. And it now looks as though we might have been trumped for our initial target. What's your thoughts on it, Brian? So, again, I always, always sort of compare previous seasons to this in terms of how would I feel. If it was, you know, three, four years ago, then I'd be thinking, you know, this is a bit of a nightmare, this is dragging on. I'm not happy with us. I think that Andrew's quick to get in the, the players that we've got in before the transfer window even opened. It was places we needed to strengthen. I think Alan Johnson was excellent against Rangers. I think he's a, I think he looks a real good find. I expect the same for Iwata and Kobayashi. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not especially concerned. If we needed four players who hadn't signed anyone by this stage, I'd be getting a bit twitchy. Tomorrow's. But I think given the fact that I don't think the team's in any huge rush to fill gaps. I mean, Jack Marcus is still there for the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he left and we didn't sign anybody, I'd, I'd get nervous until we get someone else in. And in terms of the, the actual guys we're signing and the hold-ups, to be honest, the Yakimakis deal took quite a while, if I remember. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of sort of turning the phone in. You know, Ange called him personally and they weren't sure if he was going to go or if he was going to go somewhere else. And I think he came in quite late, if I remember. I, I could be wrong and, and that's fine. But So I'm not overly concerned at this stage, if I'm honest. Um, I think that if it had been, as I say, if we hadn't seen anybody so far, I might be a bit more worried or if we had those injuries up front. Oh, or, yeah. Yeah. The thing about it is, like, even if Yakimakis went and we don't find a suitable replacement right away, we've still got me that can go there. And I actually think he'd be better up front at times. No better than Kyogo, but just better than it ride. I think it suits his game a bit more. So I'm no I'm no hugely concerned at this stage. No, I think you make a good point there, Brian, because um, we were talking during the week about how we should um, kind of stand firm or hold firm when it comes to transfer fees. And what I'm, I kind of meant by that was that we're in control of this situation. I mean, you don't want to have players that are unhappy. I think there was a, a real uh, example of that, a really bad example of that um, in you know Neil Lennon's final season. There was a decision to keep players at the club that didn't want to be here. And it showed, right? It showed through, you know, permeated throughout the, the actual squad. We don't really want to get into a situation like that, Alan. But as Brian says, even though there seems to have been a stumbling block with Cho, I am quite comfortable at the moment because Yakimakis hasn't gone anywhere yet. We'll have a wee chat about him and the, and the possible um, move that he might make. But at this moment in time, as it stands, and it also looks, as the tagline suggests, as though we have a backup plan. Yeah, no, I'd expect Celtic to have a, a list of players and, and to work through that list in the event that one of them didn't work out. What is unusual about this one is just the length of time this is dragging on. So my understanding is that Celtic have always been looking for a third striker to go with Jack Giacomacchus and Kyogo. So uh, 
there's a few things to unpack there. So if, if Giacomacchus does end up leaving, and, and, and I, I don't really know what his thoughts are. Um, it's been suggested that this is a lot of agent-initiated activity as far as Giacomacchus is concerned. What his personal views are, I don't, I don't know, obviously. Um, but it could be that Celtic may need to, to look for two strikers, in which case, you know, one to replace Giacomacchus and, and one which we were always looking for as a, as a, as a, third, a third option. Um, what does it say? What's unusual is the length of time this has taken. So my understanding is that Celtic, you know, started contact with um, Cho's club before the World Cup and uh, had an agreement in principle for a fee. The World Cup obviously happened, and uh, he did very well. His profile rose, and then, you know, obviously his agent and and his club are obviously thinking, well, we can, you know, the his profile's increased, we can get more money out of this. Um, now, what is I think a little. But surprising is that Celtic haven't just kind of walked away because it, you know, we have been doing deals very quickly. Um, so what that says to me is that oh, they obviously feel that there's still mileage in this, but obviously they still want they still want the kid as well. I think that's the, the main thing, and I think they're right to do so because my understanding is that you know he's, it, even even at the price point he's at, uh, which is around the sort of you know two and a half to, to maybe four million, is the, the various figures that have been bandied around. Um, I still think that probably represents terrific value for Celtic. Um, so, is, but having said all that, you know, we know that the manager is very big on, you know, looking in the whites of people's eyes and do you really want to come here? Yeah. And it very much looks over the last couple of days from the reports coming out of South Korea is that really he's, he's you know, Celtic have been used here as a bargaining chip and actually he's got ambitions elsewhere. And there was even, even a report today from South Korea come out that if he did leave based on what's on the table, he would go to mind because he has a, a, a friend, a Korean colleague that, that, that plays there as well. So all of this suggests to me that this isn't going to happen, right? And so I, I would, if that is that being the case, I think we should just cut cut, cut losses and move on to the next uh, the next target. Would be my would be my thought. Yeah, I mean it's interesting you said there because uh, in relation to the strikers that we need, because all season I've been saying that come January I do think we need backup to Kyogo and Yakamakis. And then obviously the spanner that's thrown in the works is the fact that uh, the Yakamakis situation has developed. There are two uh, strikers on the screen at this moment in time, but with every passing day and every update that we seem to be getting, the, the latest one being that he sees his future perhaps in Germany, Brian, you do get to the stage where, you know, it's not even as though we need to urge anybody to do anything. You just know Ange is going to say, you know what, I'm out because if you don't want to play for this team and you don't want to work with me and with my, my backroom team, then there's plenty others who will. And I think that if you get out of that stage, then it's a potential problem later down the line. I mean, I know the club are interested in brand and the fact that this this guy chose a huge brand and so yeah, I get all that. But at the end of the day, if he's going to cause you trouble and there's another option available, then you move on and hopefully we will move on swiftly. And all the transfers that we've seen so far is that we will, Brian. So I'd still have confidence. Um, Simon Vlodchik is is someone whose name has been touted a couple of times uh, by, of course, uh, Fabrizio Romano. And if he puts his seal of approval on it, people start getting interested. But let's not forget, Brian, Romano said Juranovic was away at the beginning of the season. Didn't happen. Doesn't always happen that way. But I do like the look of this kid. So if we were to compare the two players, Joe at 24 is four years older um, than Vlodcek, if that's how you pronounce it. Um, they're both playing, you know, 
in, in completely different environments with um, Cho playing in South Korea and, and Vodcek in Poland. I think um, the South Korean has the full international capabilities of World Cup behind him, whereas Vlocek's coming through, he's an under-21. But his goal scoring this season in particular has been very impressive, with 7-17, seven and 17, a goal every 116 minutes, and there's talk of three and a half million quid um, in the offing for a 20-year-old Polish under-21. What's your thoughts on the backup, the contingency plan? If indeed that is who we're looking at. Yeah, I mean, I think the overarching thing to remember is, remember, I think it was this, um, remember this thing last year we were looking at Riley McCree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lou Mark Riley came in. And I think mm. everyone collectively now looks no, back. No regrets. <laughs> no regrets, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, <clears throat> so, you know, we, the way the media works, we're always linked with players. We start obsessing as fans over these players. We're YouTubing them and we're convinced and we're trying to find their Instagrams and we're trying to, Provincial names. names. I think, I think <laughs> Natasha and Declan are already stopping this poor green guy and trying to find out where he is. So we kind of get obsessed with this thing. But the chances are, there's, there's, as Alan alluded to, there's a lot happening in the background. Um, comparison to, to these two strikers, you know, I'm not going to try and say the, the, the Polish chap's name. I'll just call him Simon for a moment. Um, <laughs> Sid. Sid, like Sid. I just, I think that the fact he's 20 years old is something that I always think is good for us. Mm-hmm. You know, Alan and I have spoken about it before. I think conceptually, that's the way the club should be going. But I understand also we can't always get these guys because the bigger fish come in. But I think getting guys like that in is, is a good age. Um, and I think... We have to get back to it, right? And I'm not saying for the moment that say that a Joey Dawson is going to be a first team starter and a Champions League striker just now. However, it's a third choice striker. You're relying on, say, Kyogo getting injured for the moment, Jack Marcus getting injured, Maeda coming in, and another Wiener getting injured. Then he would be a choice to come in. Why know that? Why not give him a wee bash instead of trying to sign two guys? I just think, and I understand why, right? I get it, but I would like to see maybe. We sign a striker, have Mieda as a sort of cover for both winger or striker, and have like the boy John uh, Dawson coming in because we'll have that a, a really good discussion actually on the, the group chat the other day about loanies and stuff and the mm-hmm. stuff. And I've got a kind of different opinion for, for a lot of people, but <clears throat> I think the thing to remember is even if Joey Dawson was to, or a guy like him was to come up to the first team, he's surrounded by although he's playing at the loan league level, he's surrounded by considerably better players around about him. It should bring his game on. So it was the same when we signed Segrist as well. I was saying, well, where does that leave Toby, Toby Oluwaiemi? Is he, is he now fourth choice? And he was still looking for another keeper. So it's things like that. So I think if we signed one of these guys, I'd be really comfortable. Um, I suspect if we signed the Korean guy, it's to start, if I'm honest. I think given his international profile, given you know what he offers and given the amount of attention around him, I suspect he'd want to come in and I'll say can I guarantee game time, but I think he'd want to be first choice and it'd be a real struggle. I don't think he would sit quietly behind Kyogo. So it'd be interesting where that competitive thing comes in. Um, and then just lastly on, on Yakimakis, we don't know the reasons, but I think the thing we also have to remember is a lot of people are saying things like he wants to go, he doesn't want to be here. But it could be the case he's just became a dad. I don't know, maybe for the first time. And he has to look at his finances. And it might be the case that we saw this document come out recently that's supposed to be he players' salaries and he was quite low. And it could be a case he just wants a, a better deal. It wasn't forthcoming and he has to move his family. So sometimes the narrative of he wants to leave, he doesn't want to be here, isn't 
maybe accurate. Could be the case, but I just think it's nice to give another person of that. Bit of context, yes. Personal circumstances, human beings after all, Brian. Um, I'm going to ask Alan a wee bit about Yakimakis and, and we can get our take on that. But before I do that, I'm going to bring in some of the comments from our regulars and some new commenters. Jungle Lion, whatever the circumstances, Gigi can't be let go until another striker is done and dusted. I agree with that because I think we're short even just with him and Kyogo, Jungle Lion. I totally agree with that. And I even pitched last week if it was possible to save the scenario and turn it right round and keep... Yakimakis, and I don't think we're at a stage where we can do that. The Killing Moon, uh, Forrest cuts it back, Gigi puts it in. I'm not so sure we can just replace Gigi's input. Folk are quite blasé about going down to a single striker, in my opinion. A few imponderables about the incoming here. Well, I want to talk to you about this, Alan, because I think when Yakimakis came in, I liked, obviously, everything that Brian said before, all the research you do about a player. I liked what i seen. Took a while for him to get started. And when he got started, I thought his touch was abysmal against Alawa, and I said as much. And um, he got a wee bit of stick against Hearts, even though he scored a goal. Um, but since then, he, he went on to become a real favourite of mine. I really like his style. I loved his attitude last year when he was even being interviewed. I loved that forthright attitude. No, we are the best in the country. Um and, you know, there, there's always going to be a club like Celtic, if you want to be successful, there's always going to be um, that nature, that competitive nature. So at right back, we've got it uh, with three, currently with three internationals. At left back, we should have it. That's why Bernabe came in, to challenge Taylor for the jersey. You look at the centre-halves, there's there's five centre-halves vying for two jerseys. And up top, you've got Kyogo and Yakamakis. So I'm not convinced it's just the case I'm not getting any minutes, so I'm going to throw the toys at the pram. If you're not getting enough minutes, You've just got to convince the manager you should be the first pick. And then if you get a sniff of it, like you did last season with the injury, you come in and you prove your worth. In terms of your own observations and your um, analysis of Yakimakis, what will we be missing should he leave the club? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a very, he was a very well-scouted player in my view because he fitted the way that Celtic play under Prostokoglu very well. Um, you know, we, we've got used to, or had got used to pre-Postacoglu, strikers who were quite all-rounders in terms of being, you know, all-round forward. So Edward was as comfortable coming coming deep and linking play, drifting in from the left as he was um, being in the box. Um, you know, Lee Griffiths liked to wander around a lot as well, picking up the ball wide and so forth taking shots from distance. Mm-hmm. Dembele was a bit more of a traditional centre-forward, but again, you know, he would get involved outside the box, winning headers and, again, linking play-up. What we've found under Postacoglu is that the strikers have got have, have, have a much-reduced um, involvement in the game if you just look at raw data on number of touches, right? And, and, and we really want those players to be in the box, finishing off low firm crosses into the box or cutbacks and I'm not really concerned about getting them involved in any of the stuff outside the box and and as you rightly said about Giacomacchus he's, he's not the most technical player from a first touch from a you know does he see does he see the obvious pass does he execute it well not not great really but he's got a good physical presence about him he can fight for the ball he presses well uh, which is another component that's necessary to play under Ange. 
And we've seen with his finishing, that sort of one-touch finishing run that he went on last season where every goal just required a single touch to finish. That's exactly the type of striker you need playing the type of football that Celtic play. So he, in my view, he was very well scouted and he's a great fit for the system. And, and actually his, his data, especially at Scottish league level, where the where the quality of the opponent is almost more important than the individual. And because of the strength of the system under Ange, it means that individuals' data can almost be, I wouldn't say raised up, but can almost be consistent because of the consistent way that Celtic play. So I don't, I don't, I don't mean it's as simple as you could literally put anyone in and you'd get the same result. It's not as straightforward as that. I just mean that, you know, there's the power of the system is greater than the, the the individual the individual players and their attributes. And if you've got players that are a good match, like Jackamakis, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, and he's attuned to the way that Celtic play, you'll probably get good results. And Celtic have, so I think it would be a big loss. Um, he's clearly highly effective at the Scottish domestic level, and that's that sort of you know that's that's priority number one. We have to yeah. win in Scotland. Um, in Europe, he he did get a goal in the Champions League, but you know he's. You know, he's, he's probably not as effective as, for example, Kyogo. That's where the sort of the technical gulf c- comes into play, and that's why Kyogo's first choice. Uh, just that, that 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 extra amount of technical ability, the the extra bit of speed over over a very short distance in the box, that kind of thing. So, I think it'd be a real blow to lose him. I don't think we'll sell him until um, we have got a replacement. You know, um, to Brian's point. I believe we were looking for another striker. Whether we end up with three, I don't know. Um, because, as you say, we've got five wingers. Two of them are very good as centre-forwards. Maida and, and Abada are both excellent as strikers. So, possibly, we'll, we'll end the window with, with, with the two. Although, coming back to the, uh, to, the, to the targets or the alleged targets, is that I think they're actually quite different <laughs> in profile. So, Cho, to me, would be a, someone who comes in and would expect to get a lot of significant minutes as a starter, whereas, I'll take a deep breath here, Shimon Vladarchik <laughs> um, looks like more of a kind of Leela Bada, you know, bring him in, talented young player, um, bed him in over a period type of signing, so quite, quite different potential. I, I, I might be wrong, but that's just the way the way I would see it. I think they're actually quite different in, in profile in that regard. But yeah, no, Giacomacus has, has, has done very well. Clearly, Kyogo's on a good run, has been all season, Touchwood, he's, he's avoided injury, so Giacomacus still gets at least 30 minutes a game. And a feature of playing for Celtic is that if you're a substitute and you come on, you're coming on in the 60th minute of an SPFL game, you you will you will on average get more more opportunities than the starters do per minute. That's the nature right. of, 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 of Celtic dominate these games. Yeah. Is that because so, we've so, broken you know, them down by that stage, Alan? Do you think we've broken the opposition down? Yeah. Last yeah. half hour, yeah. The fact the the, the, the fact the five sub rule is, uh, is 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 a game changer for Celtic in terms of their ability to dominate the other teams in the league. It just gives Celtic a huge advantage in terms of the quality that we could effectively change the whole front five, you know, and, and freshen it up. Just and a, and a team like Kilmarnock might have done well to hold out for fifty minutes, but then another forty minutes with fresh players is is too much. Um, so players like players like you know Jackamakis can still rack up great numbers and get lots of opportunities and lots of chances like he did on 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 uh, against Kilmarnock and like For- Forrest did, for example, 
um, even though they're coming off the bench. So it's still a good, it's still a good, a good role, if you like. Uh, what his personal circumstances, though, as you said, he's a human being. He's 28. His next move, as they say, is going to be probably his biggest one. And like you say, he's probably not one of the big earners. And so um, he's got to think about himself, of course, as, as we all do. Yeah, for sure. Um, that is interesting. Makes perfect sense. And I do want to talk about Kilmarnock because obviously it's Kilmarnock again. Um, I'm going to bring in a few of these these comments, guys. And whilst I do that, get your thinking hats on because I want to talk about the comment that was made around Derek McInnes, um, not the one about guys doing bigots doing star jumps outside his office, but um, <laughs> the fact that the current side, the current side is the best he's faced. Um, and bearing in mind Derek McInnes was up against the Invincible side under Brendan Rodgers, I want you to have a wee think about the Invincibles against the current side and let me know your thoughts once I've run through a few of these comments. Um, Connor Rowan, I'll be amazed if we end up signing Cho now. We had our transfers done early under Ange up until now and we all know, well, here we go. I've seen a lot of this on social media, Brian. <laughs> what do you make of that? Because I'm not buying that a, a change of chairmanship has affected the recruitment policy. What's your thoughts? I, I, it, it, this stuff kills me a little bit. If I'm honest, I, it's all conspiracies. It's, it's, I think it's really hyperbolic, and I think that Peter Law coming back as non-exec chairman is not influencing Joe's decision to come to Celtic or not. I mean, I just he's not interfering with transfers. We've already signed three players. You know, yeah. I think I think we only need to relax with this stuff. He's a chairman, and that's it. If I've said before, if it goes further than the line, and it turns out he has been interfering. I'm pretty sure Ange will tell him or tell us. I, I don't think he's a man to be told. I'll tell you who you're buying. I'll tell you who you're playing. I don't think Michael Nicholson, the CEO, is going to be told. You keep quiet, sit in the corner. I'm Peter Law. I don't think his son's going to be happy. His head of recruitment, if his dad comes in, he starts telling him his work. Exactly. So I get if he's a bit, you say Peter Law, people lose their mind. We need to calm down a bit and just be realistic, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I've been, I've been accused not very politely in the past. I've been a, a law sympathizer, and I don't really know what that means, if I'm honest. Um, I just think, you know, I think his record was very good from a business point of view, less so in terms of his interference, but he's a different role now. And I think he's always been about the club, he's been about the club since Ange came in anyway. So if he's going to interfere, it would have been done by now, you know. Yeah, and actually on that point, Alan, if he is interfering in, in transfers, then he interfered pretty well with the previous three that we got over the line. You can't just say, oh, you know, he's to blame for the Cho transfer breaking down because we've already got three players in the door and Johnson has hit the ground running. Look forward to seeing Kobayashi so, and Iwata. So I, I, it's not something I'm buying at this moment in time. As Brian says, if something comes out later on, fair enough, hands up. But I, I can't, I can't, I can see the logic but I don't agree with it with regards to Peter Lowell being the reason behind the show deal. What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I will maintain an ongoing healthy scepticism. <laughs> let's, let's put it that way, right? So there's no evidence that Peter Lowell is interfering with transfers at this point in time. So, you know, this show one in particular is just a really difficult transfer because of the fact that the contact was made before the World Cup. The World Cup then raised the player's profile and obviously the club and his agent are looking to maximise you know, what, that, what that means for them. And that's what's made it complicated. Um, it's just, you know, however, it does speak volumes for the, you know, the scepticism of the Celtic support in general that these questions even get asked. 
Um, you know, as I say, for my part, I'll, I'll be keeping a keen eye on on how things develop. I think there is, I think there are a few things for me that are concerning still about about how Celtic are operating. Um, I, 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 it, it does seem like Ange's role is far too broad, and, and and that he needs help. We need strong heads of department in various areas to and allow him to focus purely on the on the first team uh, and the football and the football side of it. You know, the, 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 you know, Ange's close friend and agent, uh, Frank Trimboli, seems to have an awful lot of influence over both incomings and outgoings. And that, to me, he might be doing a good job and we might have made good decisions, but that doesn't, to me, that's no better than in the situation we were in where, you know, allegedly Lowell had his preferred coterie of agents that he, he would go to. We need to have, you know, a spectrum of people a wide range of contacts, um, you know, not be reliant. I, I'm, just, so I'm, I'm, you know, concerned that if Ange does, if and when, when and if and does walk out the door, you know, we're kind of floundering around and, and having to go back to ground zero, if you like. And then on top of that, you add in the sort of the law factor, law factor, which is that whatever his role and whatever the the more ceremonial and strategic and hands off the chairman role should be, it's not in Peter's nature to not meddle and at what point does that start to become an issue if indeed it does happen so these are all the things in my mind that I'm kind of sceptical about or slightly worried about that I'll be keeping an eye on basically what, what say, Alan, I do agree with you on one thing that's interesting Paul mentioned the Invincibles team because if you look at what happened when Brendan Rodgers left and that whole everyone left sports science guys everyone everyone, it, yeah. everyone left and it really killed us I think I'm always harping on about we need continuity so that if our range goes, we continue the same way. We recruit a coach to match our style and not the other way about. Because otherwise, that's why the academy's been set back so many years. That's why transfers sometimes don't work. And that's where I think maybe we don't progress to the level in Europe we should either. So I agree with that fact that that's a real concern. I just hope that, you know, because there'd be some sort of director of football role in place by the time I'm supposed to continue that work. But yeah, that, that's a big unknown, isn't it? And I agree with that. I think that is a concern. Yeah, for sure. And we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep a keen eye. We discuss everything on a Celtic state of mind. Uh, John Cunningham probably can't strike a deal with the striker. Probably die uh, due to image rights, but not 100% committed. We move on. Sad to see Gigi go, not given proper chance. Could have been better to start him this season. Uh, it's one of my frustrations, I guess, that if Yakimakis does go, and I said this yesterday, I would love to have seen him you know, as as the main striker, what damage could he have done as the main striker over a, a prolonged period of time? I've not really seen that with Yakamakis due to injury and uh, the form of Kyogo as well. Jason Lee, I'm done with Cho. Time to move on. Kind of feeling that way myself, and I'm sure there'll be big updates coming in. Um, but I asked you guys to have a wee think about the invincible side versus <clears> the current <throat> side due to the comments made by Derek McInnes whose team will be facing tomorrow, and it will lead us nicely onto the the Kilmarnock game and have a wee preview of that. And I'll start with yourself, Brian. I mean, one of the greatest times as a Celtic fan and my Celtic support in life indeed was that invincible season, you know, the beginning of the quadruple treble. Still incredible to think that we won four trebles on the bounce. But um, yeah, a very special side. Uh, what did you make of the comments? Do you agree with them? What would happen if there was a head-to-head? <clears throat> so I've got something I want to talk about regarding Derek. McInnes and some of the comments he makes but we'll get to that maybe later when we preview the game um, in terms of that I think it's the 
I think certainly the best football I've remember seeing as a Celtic fan, possibly ever. Maybe no, maybe since Tommy Burns' team, really. Um, and while Rogers was incredibly successful and his Miscals team were, sometimes the football wasn't fantastic. So I think if you look at it comparatively, it must be. I think it would be harder to play against Angie's team if you're in opposition. So I do sort of understand why he would think that. In terms of how they match up, I mean, that's... I'll rely on our stats bomb stuff for this, but... Um, <laughs> like, hospital pass. Yeah, hospital pass. Well done. Yeah, Angie's aggression in style of play and approaching attacking. <laughs> I feel like if we were to score first against Roger's side, I think we'd beat them. However, I think Rogers' team could beat the press fairly well. And they do control. So it's, it's really, really hard. I'm going to say Ange, but with the caveat that it could go either way. But as soon as I'm not sitting on the fence and being that guy, I'll say, I'll say Ange's team. And I think it's just because of the aggression and pace and that sort of seeing things through to the end, the late goals and stuff. Yeah, Ange's team to win 4 3 then. Alan, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's very, very interesting. I think so. Rogers' team was more about control, so controlling the football, and really you defended by keeping the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think overall his team would give up less chances, and um, would 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 prioritise, as I say, possession, even if it was sometimes safe possession, over over trying to break down the opposition. Whereas what I love about Postacoglu's style is I think he's got the perfect, especially in Scotland. Certainly in Scotland, I think he's almost mastered the art of, you know, a balance between controlling the game, keeping the football, having high possession, playing a lot of passes. But all- Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Also being very aggressive with those passes and trying to break teams down, committing players forward, more so than under Rodgers, for sure. So I, I would say Postacoglu's team would probably have a better record overall domestically. Uh, I think they were, I think, I think we're, we're, we're deadly effective. And I think this five-sub rule, which is not something Rodgers had the advantage of, uh, changes the dynamics significantly. We can really steamroller teams at high pace for 90 minutes because of that. And I think, I think that, you can't underestimate you know, what a difference that makes. I think in Europe, it's a bit more difficult to say, you know, under and that invincible season was when we shipped seven goals in um, in, in uh, to Barcelona away and we lost at home to Borussia Mönchengladbach, the, the game which effectively ended Kovacic's career. And, uh, but then we got, you know, we had two creditable draws 
with Manchester City home and away. Um, you know, this this time we've performed creditably, but not you know that those defensive weaknesses were badly exposed. Uh, our defensive system was badly exposed in Europe. So I would say kind of fifty fifty, maybe on that one at best. Maybe Rogers' team had the slight edge actually. To be fair to them, given mm. the the result the Man City results. Just because of that extra piece, extra bit of control that they exerted. The last thing I'll say about Rogers' team and that invincible season is that we massively over over scored versus our expected goals. I think if you look across the whole season, Celtic had something like 114 xG, and we actually scored 150 goals. And if I if I remember the stat correctly, we scored something like 16 or 18 goals from outside the box. Yeah. It was just, I don't know if you remember that season, I think Armstrong scored something like 15, 16 goals and the next season he scored one because he, he thought that if he kept shooting from outside the box that they were all going because they had done that invincible season. So there was a little bit of that. There was a little bit of, you know, that's, it is, it's, it's good fortune. If, you'd, if you're taking a shot from distance, you've really only got a 2 3% chance of it going in. And, the, and if you're massively exceeding that, there's a little bit of luck involved in that, in, in all that, really, over over a period, to be honest. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that answers fully the question, but that, they, they were the things that I thought about anyway. Yeah, just, I, Rogers, though, I would say that I don't know if I would say he has this over range, but one of the things that I always was impressed by Rogers was he was constantly communicating with the players, especially like we conceded. You could see, like, I remember particularly when the <clears throat> the 3 2 game at Ibrooks, I think it was, yeah. with 10 men. You know, and that was a new tactical masterclass. And Ange doesn't seem to do that as much. But I don't know if that's because the system's a system and he's coached it and that's how it works. And he can make decisions maybe more subtly, but that's probably a distinction between the two in terms of what they've done in the touchline. Um, but to Brian, to be fair, I, I believe a lot of the time that was Chris Davis. Chris Davis right. was the, the one who would be looking and, and suggesting little tweaks much of the time and I think you raise a good point I mean it would be, it would be great if, if Ange felt he had somebody of Chris Davis's talent to support him I think that would be a really useful thing I'm not, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know to what extent the current backroom t- team do or don't do that to be fair so I might be being unfair there but certainly Are you Davis, trying to play like Gavin Strachan's real brains behind Celtic Al is that what you're trying to say yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I'm negotiating at the moment to buy his second hand laptop off him <laughs> I, I more or less when I think about it I know it's kind of fantasy land stuff but I do think about the head-to-head. So I think, you know, uh, Jota against Tierney, for example, or uh, Maeda against Lustig. Up top, it would be Dembele versus Carter Vickers. That's the kind of thing I think about when uh, <laughs> I think about two teams coming together. But yeah, it was an interesting comment made by uh, the manager of our opposition tomorrow. Um, obviously, it's going to be a 5.30 kickoff. We'll be covering the game as always. Kaiser comes in. There's a lot of window uh, left to sign a striker. I would prefer we sign two if Yakimakis is definitely off, yeah, I think that would um, it would definitely cover us. And from Angie's perspective, he said that there would be a couple of deals. We've already got three. We're going for our fourth. Can we bring in five? Um, let's see. I'm sure there'll be lots of developments in the next couple of weeks. Magnet 67. Afternoon, Axrom team. To be honest, I tend to blank out all the transfer speculation these days because it is just that. I trust Angie to do what is best for the team and the squad. There's going to be so much happening behind the scenes that we'll never know about. But it is something that, um, you know, takes up a lot of the discussion throughout January. But this leads us on to tomorrow's game then, Brian. Kilmarnock, 
they were stubborn. They did exactly what we thought they would do. Took us a wee while kind of to to make the breakthrough, and I thought the second half was far more enjoyable as a Celtic fan certainly to watch. We got that goal at a really vital time. I felt the opening goal, um, and you know we showed that on another day it could have been a far more convincing victory, but we came away with the three points, and it was convincing enough. Um, and just spoken about the fact that all these other factors come into play. One of the ones he, he mentioned is it's a cup game. He says, you know, that's a dynamic, that's an element to this that makes it different from last week. Of course, it's also a different venue. Talk me through your thoughts tomorrow in terms of how we line up and uh, how you see the game going. I would imagine the game will go pretty similar. I think I think McInnes is, I mean, I think McInnes is, relatively speaking, a decent manager for for Scottish teams, I think they're a fairly good job at Aberdeen. I think they'll, they'll be hard to break down again. Um, but I think our approach will be what our approach always is, right? We'll, we'll keep going. And as Al says, the, the subs rule always plays in our favour. You know, we look at the quality in our squad. So I suspect we'll keep doing what we're doing and we'll go for it. What will be interesting, and I don't know if he's fit to play, if Kyle Lafferty plays, you know, what factor that will be in it boils my blood a bit. I saw some headline in a, a, a mainstream media outlet that said that, you know, Lafferty was chomping at the bit to play against Celtic. And you think, given what he's suspended for, I wonder why. And I wonder if that's a tone-deaf headline we should be comfortable with. That stuff kills me all the time. It always winds me up. And I was actually really disappointed when McInnes was talking about how we felt really sorry for him being suspended stuff. Because I think he's a cleverer guy than that. And I think that was really stupid. And I think that'd been a different slur he'd thrown about. There'd be no sympathy for him, which yeah. is a bigger story. But I had to get it off my chest because it was annoying me. Um, but in terms of the game tomorrow, I don't see Ange make too many changes. He may, maybe the wingers to make switch around a bit again. He tends to like to do that. I'd imagine Kyogo starts given the Yakimaki situation. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'd be really interested in is if Kobayashi or Iwata come into the team. Now, I don't think they will. But there's always that chance. And I, I'd be excited to see it, especially Water. I hope I'm seeing that night. But especially Water. I wonder if he would consider moving McGregor further forward. It'd be Hatate, McGregor, Iwata. Is that is a midfield three what that looks like? I don't know. But you may you may find changes like that. I think that'd be exciting. But in terms of approach, it'd be what what Celtic do, what Ange does, and I think we'll win. You know what? It's an interesting one, Brian, because if you're going to throw someone in for their debut at Ibrox uh, right back, then you know you know you're brave enough and and you rate the player enough to put them in if necessary. Alan, what do you make? Obviously, going into the Kilmarnock game at the weekend, there um, O'Reilly dropped out for Moy, and um, Bernabe comes in at left back. Do you, do you see many changes with the lineup? How do you see the game going? No, I mean I, I try to be a very uh, observant and watcher if I can uh, he doesn't he doesn't play mind games he doesn't tinker with lineups he doesn't try to be a clever bugger as far as throwing throwing surprises in the lineup so I I hear what Brian's saying I, I, I would probably look to the Morton game from from maybe mm. a couple of people coming in that maybe haven't featured much or, 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 or making the debuts possibly He's not a clever bugger in that regard, as I say, Postacoglu. He's you'll you'll pick you'll pick what he thinks is the strongest team, um, and I don't think it will be there will be any surprises in it. Um, so the game, I mean, how different will the game be? Well, there's a limit to how different it can be given the personnel that that Kilmarnock do or don't have, right? I mean, we saw that 
I don't, I don't, I don't know if they had many players out injured. I mean, Paul Worth's probably their best passer of the ball. He played. Uh, they, they, they gave a debut to to Lad Vassell up front, who was kind of a big physical striker. I imagine he'll start again. Uh, um, you know, he he was okay, but he didn't. didn't he wasn't going to run away from anybody, and he he didn't look to be. Um, <laughs> I looked at his profile actually because I'd never heard of him, and I wanted to see if he was related to Darius Vassell, which apparently he is in a distant way. And this guy's had 22 clubs. It's incredible. He's only 29. But anyway, I digress. So uh, long story short, I don't think Kilmarnock have got the personnel to play much differently to how they played. And, 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 and you know, <laughs> Derek McInnes, every time he plays Celtic, goes man-to-man in midfield. And every time he looks disappointed when it doesn't work. And, he, and if, he's, if he's no learn by now, he's not going to learn and change his approach. On, on Saturday. So I think it'll be very different. I think we as a Celtic sport have to be very patient uh, because, you know, you know but, but having said that, there's things that Celtic can certainly do better than what we did in the league game. Uh, I think we were, we had a, we had a terribly unbalanced uh, attack on, on, on Saturday. Everything came down the left-hand side. The first half was basically Starfelt to Bernabe to Tati to Bernabe to Starfelt. And that just went on and on and on. And, and, you know, Alistair Johnson was reduced to playing left wing to try and get the ball. Jota, who normally is a ball-hungry winger, was kind of stood out, you know, give me the ball type of thing. We need, we need to address that. That was so unbalanced. It was it was unbelievable. And also, it adds a bit of risk because, you know, if you've got Bernabe and Hatati in the same team, what, what whilst that gives you, and Bernabe's pass to Maida for the opening goal was a thing of wonder, and Hitati generally, I thought, took up some excellent positions. I thought his movement to find pockets of space was wonderful. But what both Bernabe and Hitati do is they turn over the ball more than anyone else in the squad. Mm. And when you have them together on the same side of the pitch, the the, the now the risk of a, a turnover and a counter against a team like Kilmarnock is probably pretty low, to be honest. But against a European-level team, that would be a massive risk in my book. So just a couple of things to think about. I hope we we hope we balance the attack a bit more. I hope we try and go down the right side because Johnson looks like he's got a terrific engine. He, look, he takes up brilliant positions uh, when he inverts and comes in field. Obviously, we want to get Jota on the game. He, he is he is all things considered Celtic's most you know effective all round attacking player in terms of you know creating things. And uh, you know that 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 would that that would. That would be what I'd be looking for, really. But I don't think it'll be very different. I think it'll be a, a tough, attritional game. But I think, again, from, you, you're looking from 55 sort of minutes out for the subs to come on and start to really kind of open things up, as, as happened on, on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're going to be covering it here. Tune in from five o'clock and um, we'll be going live before, during and after the game, uh, obviously, at half time and full time. As well, a couple of more comments coming in. John Cunningham, would there be a top 11 between the two teams? <clears throat> Listen, that's a podcast in itself. Gordon <laughs> over Hart, Tierney over Taylor. That's a discussion for another day, I think. But uh, <laughs> good shout, good shout. Um, Fitzy, Sinclair would take Jura's soul. Um, that would be a nice, uh, be a nice uh, <laughs> battle for sure. Strange love the doctor. Brendan's team without the ball, not so good. And his team would create panic every time they went forward. Close game, but a draw. Uh, probably about a four each to draw and Red Scotland comes in countless times Brennan made a non-substitutional tactical change from the touchline and a Celtic goal often followed that doesn't happen now 
Um, so yeah, I'm I'm sure it would be an interesting thing, the old fantasy Celtic football there. A couple of players I want to talk about. Um, first of all, Stephen Welsh. Now I know that Alan, you and I have discussed Stephen Welsh a fair bit over the years, and mm. it looks as though the time has finally come that he's going to leave the club. There is chat. Uh, Anthony Johnson actually picked up on it um, the other day. There, there is chat that uh, there has been interest over the last two windows. Celtic are now prepared to allow him to go. I had said previously we've got Jens and we've got Welsh, both not really playing and maybe loan Welsh out to the end of the season, then make a decision, which one of the two do you keep? Where are you with Welsh at the moment, Alan? Is it time for him to go on a permanent deal? Yeah, I, th- I think he's... When the area that he developed the most as a, as a player was really his, his passing out from the back, which, which was, was really, really strong and got stronger, and that's fair play to him. Defensively, He's very similar to Starfelt, probably not as front foot and aggressive as Starfelt, but he has the same kind of weaknesses, I suppose, in terms of, you know, aerially he's quite he's quite weak. Um, again, my understanding is that it's one of these situations where I think the manager likes him. I think he thinks there's a player there, but is it all happening fast enough for, for the player himself? Or does Welsh feel that he actually wants to be a first-team regular somewhere? Um, and uh, and therefore it's time to move on. That that may well be the case. So you know you very much, you can see we can see as you said that Carter Vickers and Starfelt are the first choice. We've just brought in a left sided centre back. Jens is still in the squad as well. I think it's just one of these cases where Welsh sees doesn't see his pathway into the, the of being a first team starter, and it's time to move move on in that regard. I mean, I always I'm always a bit sad when a young Scottish player leaves though, because I always. Mm. We'd love ideally to see the team be be represented by by local lads, etc. But um, putting sentimentality to one side, it, it may feel, it may be Welsh's interest. Twenty three years old, that his first team football uh, lies elsewhere. There was rumour of um, interest from Toulouse in the summer. Now Toulouse are a really smart club, and, and that would be, I would love him to go to Toulouse because I think he would he would he would be well treated. He they would have thought about how they were going to use him. They would have done their homework on him. I think it would have been a good fit for him. So I hope he gets something like that mm. if he does if he does leave. Yeah, it seems, Brian, that he is keen to play his football abroad. Um, some other Scottish talents have done that and done very, very well. Aaron Hickey's come back, obviously, to British football with Brentford. And um, I think back to the Jack Hendry transfer. You know, a guy who couldn't buy a game for Celtic when he left. And I know that there was the... Um, the loan deal that didn't go too well over in Australia due to injury, but then he goes to Belgium and he finds himself, gets back into the Scotland team, becomes a big player, a very valuable player. Can you see Welsh going out there and really making a name for himself? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you and I both called out Welsh has been a bit underrated at times. I, I, I think he's one of those guys, it's almost James Forrest syndrome, I think he gets a wee bit of hard time or maybe sort of overlooked because he's, he comes from the, the squad. But I think, you know, you look at, he thrown in next to Shane Duffy in one of our worst, most horrible seasons for a long time. He had the mentality to try and take it, to try and improve, to, to keep trying, to keep doing things, to keep trying to press for the back. Um, and I think when you look at Ange coming in and the pressure he was under, the pressure the team was under, and I don't think he's ever really let us down. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. 
Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. On the ranch, um, I agree with Al as well. I think I said it before about Starfield. It's one of the things that, well, I like Starfield, does concern me is. He does get caught under bigger strikers quite a lot with the ball, and he's in it a bit of a tizzy at times, because he is quite an aggressive guy, and I think Welsh probably has the same weakness, so having two of them in the squad probably wasn't ideal, because I mean, it's a partnership that never really worked. Um, so I can understand why he's going, but a wee bit disappointed. Um, you know, I thought maybe you know, he, he, he might be a bit of a future, but I think if he goes abroad, I think everyone will be happy to see him do well. And I think, he, I think he'll thrive. I think he seems to have the mentality of, I'm going to get better. I think he's a good goal player, actually. I think he brings the ball out really well for the back. Um, and I think that'll benefit teams that like to sign him. So, so fair play to him. I've got a, a question for Al, if that's all right. You as well, Paul, but just, I, I know I'll have a view. How important do you think it is? Because I think it's very important, right? But... So if you look at the balance for your two centre-backs, Carter Vickers, who's always going to start, do you think a left-footed centre-back or a left-sided centre-back is essential for us? Because I still don't, I still think Starfield's better in the right. I, I think it, it can be a wee bit cumbersome in the left. Do you think Kobayashi's coming in to replace him? And if not, is Jens, he looked to be the answer for me because he looked very balanced in the left-hand side. Am I just making too much of that? Or do you think it's really important to get strong left-sided and you've got you know two right-sided two left-sided and want to cover yeah so a couple of things so I think in an ideal world you'd want to have a left-footed player playing on the left left side it just opens up the play in that regard that's ideally right but left-sided centre-backs who are also really good at football as opposed to just being left-footed are incredibly rare right so it's very difficult so you, you end up most teams, in fact, end up making compromises in that regard. Uh, the second point I'd make is that, you know, Carter Vickers is a bit of a curse because he's such a high benchmark for other centre-halves coming to Celtic now. You know, if we could get two centre-backs of the same quality as him, him and one other, of a similar quality, uh, I think that would be the ideal. But as I say, that is such a high benchmark that I think everyone else almost suffers in comparison a little bit. So so we tend to be a little bit hard on people. I mean, I think uh, I wrote Starfield off, actually, within six months because I just saw things in his play, given his age profile, that were never going to change. Now, what I think happened is that 
he became settled into this again into the system mm-hmm. and, and the system is so strong the understanding between the players is so strong everyone knows what they're doing and that can compensate for a lot of individual weaknesses because of that systemic strength within the within the lineup was one thing and he, and to be fair to him he did cut out a lot of individual errors but was still prone in terms of as you say he he's he's overly i keep saying i keep saying i like my strikers to be optimistic and my defenders to be pessimistic and Starfelt is an optimistic defender. He always thinks he can win the ball, um, and, and I, I don't like that. I, I want I want my defenders to always think that the worst is going to happen and position themselves accordingly. And he 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 overreaches in terms of what he can and can't do. I still think we need to improve that position. Uh, you mentioned his, his awkwardness. I mean, again, that, that 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 probably triggers my confirmation bias a little bit because he just he just physically looks awkward when he's trying to control and manipulate the ball and to move it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so um, you know, I think it's, I think it's, but I think it's a tough one. I, I, my, my, my wish is to, is to use Carter Vickers as a template and say, right, give me another player like that and play the two together. And I don't think we're there yet, but I've got no idea what Kobayashi is like. If he's good and he's left-footed, brilliant. But I don't think it's, I, I, I think many, 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 many clubs in the world um, mitigate around not having a good left-sided centre-back. I did like him. I did think, he, but he's disappeared from the face of the earth by the looks of it. Um, I thought that he did look more comfortable as a natural left-sided defender. But then my take on that was that we keep him and Welsh and, and we work with that. Then Kobayashi comes into the equation. And then the whole dynamic of that changes because then you start thinking, well, um, he's he's a player that uh, obviously Ange knows pretty well from his time in Japan. I think he's going to be favoured over Jens. He's certainly been on the bench last couple of weeks. And I think um, Jens has maybe been unlucky, but we're not seeing it every day in, day in, day out. Uh, you know, based on appearances, and this is just to my own uh, observer's eye rather than data, I did like him. Um, one thing I was going to ask Alan, is we used to have chats around Ayer and where Ayer sat in the the data going back to when you started collating it for Celtic. And some of his uh, figures, some of the data was was right up there with the best of them. And you were talking, you know, about players like Boyata and Van Dyke, Ayer, all in the same breath because you were able to compare uh, the data, Alan. Where does Carter Vickers, where's he placed in, in the, the great scheme of things? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, Ayer unfortunately had a you know his last season wasn't wasn't good. It wasn't good for anybody, and he so his numbers kind of fell back a little bit towards the pack. So, but if you think his Van Dyke is being sort of like the gold standard, and and actually you know if you remember Philip Benkovic, I mean he only didn't play many games, but he was incredibly impressive in the games that he did play. Um, Chris Julian at his best in the, in that sort of um, nineteen twenty season. Uh, was also, you know, uh, up there as well. Carter Vickers would be right up at the top of the centre-halves that Celtic have had since I started collecting data, so going back nearly 10 years now. He would absolutely be uh, be right up there. I think the thing with Jens uh, is, it's one. I think it's one of these situations where um, he's he's actually no better than what we've got. So for me, if I had Stephen Welsh and I had Jens, I would not be paying money for Jens. I would be keeping Stephen Welsh. That would be my... If, if I had to choose, I would yeah. keep Welsh because I don't think there's, there's, there's really not that much between them. But if Welsh leaves, then I think you've got a decision to make. Uh, that, that that becomes a, a, more, a more interesting dynamic. But 
But none of those players, Jens, Welsh, um, Starfelt, they're at best the sort of middle middle to bottom of the centre-halves we've had in the last 10 years. And there's a big gulf in performance versus Carter Vickers. And that's that, to me, that remains one of our weaknesses uh, that we need to resolve overall. I found it interesting that the, the, the transfer fee uh, that was being discussed when they were looking back at Welsh's uh, approaches over the last couple of transfer windows was three and a half million quid, Brian. And um, it would be interesting to see if indeed he goes, how much we bring in for him. Um, another couple of things before we wrap up. We've only got about five or six minutes. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved, by the way. We're about 750 strong uh, watching live. If you haven't done so already, give us a thumbs up on the video on YouTube. Give us a big like and subscribe to the channel. We've got loads of gifts and prizes that we're going to be giving away. Um, the announcement for the, the latest prize, which is a concept Adidas retro jersey. Uh, that will be announced today, and we have tickets and various other bits and bobs that will be given out, and we'll announce them as we go along. So do subscribe to the channel. We're growing that channel as much as possible. I want to talk about uh, Tomoki Awata, because you've mentioned him a couple of times, Brian, and in respect of what does that mean for other players at the club? So we've kind of spoken about that with Welsh and the fact that we now have Kobayashi, and he might now be surplus to requirements. Awata comes in, and I'm looking at, Abilgard, um, Idiguchi and McCarthy. So what do we do with these three players who currently are not contributing to the first team? Well, they've got to go, haven't they? I think it's his harsh, but I, I, I said, I'd said for a while, I didn't, I, I didn't think Gucci was going to have a, a future. Um, I think Abilgard hasn't been... I think he's good. I, I think individually they're all good players, right? So I'm not saying they're bad players, but I just think for the way Andrew operates... I don't think any of the them. Like McCarthy's very good at breaking up attacks. He is a good defensive mid, but he's not a good defensive mid in Angie's team. Same with Abogard, he's a really good player, but not in Angie's team. I think he signed Iwata because we well, signed him twice. He signed him for, for when he was at Marinos and then from Marinos. So yeah. clearly he's a player he likes. And if he's a player he likes, he's a good player, right? And you've got to know the system inside out. Um, for the, the, the sort of YouTube research, the amateur research we can do here. I um, he looks very, very good at winning the ball back. He's very aggressive, very strong, and he's, he's I think he's the tallest guy, but he's very robust. Um, and I think you have that aggression for deep. The question will be: Is he a long-term replacement for McGregor, or is he there to play alongside McGregor? And and that's what I'm curious to see. And I think if he starts to appear, we start to see whereabouts he fits into that team best and where he thinks McGregor is. Um, I don't know what the answer to that will be. Um, I really like McGregor in that role um, but it's, it's, it's interesting to see and I think why I'm so excited about him is A, that's a position I've been concerned about for a while and B, I'm just saying him twice he's a player, you know Oh for sure um, What about yourself then Alan because it does seem like bold a bold move but these three guys are just not contributing at the moment Abelgar's been really disappointing um, I think you've mentioned previously that he does a defensive bit well but transitioning that to attacks, not a strong point in his game. McCarthy, you know, listen, I'd have loved it to work, work out, but I don't think we should be keeping guys in, in a squad because they're good in the dressing room or on a training pitch. Um, and at the Gucci, it just hasn't worked out. And that's not been a case with many of Angie's signings. Do we keep any of them, do you think, Alan? Is it bold or too bold to move all three on? No, I think we need to move them all on. I don't think they're going to contribute. I think you summarised it absolutely uh, perfectly, really. Um, you know, McCarthy was somebody I think was brought in to help Ange because 
we simply, you know, this squad had been decimated and he was available on a free and he's an experienced individual. But in terms of stylistic fit to the way that Celtic play, it's it's, it's very poor. Abelgaard is incredibly strong uh, breaking up play, but he doesn't progress the ball well. And that's that's just not a non-starter for the way that the team plays, and and, and, and you know Gucci just isn't of the standard that Celtic need, unfortunately. So there's no there's no utility in keeping any of them around, in my view. Um, Iwata is a fascinating signing. I think he I think he has two two major aspects that are classic and really one is is just his attitude and his willingness to learn. He's a player who um, has has played in and is willingly will willingly adapt to different positions, whether it's right back, centre back, uh, and uh, and centre midfield, and and he, and he and he throws himself into it 100 percent and gives everything in it, and, and seems to be a quick learner, so an intelligent player really uh, with a great attitude, and that, that that's always a massive factor when when I'm signs anybody, and I think just that adaptability, you know, I think Ange just said that he, he's looking for players that are can play perhaps two or three positions, you know, with, with the five sub rule that I keep coming back to, you know, 16, you know, 16 players are going to get significant minutes every week. So you need a, you need a reasonable size squad and you need people that can come on and do different, slightly different roles if they have to. So will he replace McGregor? That's a, I think that's a big, com- a big topic. Um, I don't, it doesn't look like he's that type of player. He's more of a, he's more of a ball winner. Uh, I think he is. He, he's a good passer, but I don't, he's not a he's not a player like McGregor who really he, he McGregor sort of drags the team forward and gives mm-hmm. the team momentum and getting forward. So I don't think he's that exact type of player. But whether it means we play a double a double pivot in some games, possibly I don't, I don't know. But certainly it would suggest to me that you know we, we bring him in and. I think the three players that you mentioned probably get get moved on if that is possible. I mean, Abelgaard's, I think, on a, it's a bit of a funny one. It was never really publicised or, or made clear what his situation was. You know, he, he's, he's registered to a Russian club. Essentially, you know, he's he's he doesn't have the right to work. You know, he's embargoed, essentially. So I think FIFA gave dispensation for players like him in his situation to move to other clubs for, for a year, um, essentially, and effectively be dual registered because because of that. The war situation. What whether whether we just say it's not worked out, but you go. That, 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 I suspect that's what will happen. Yeah, for sure. And his agents obviously been making <laughs> making moves and, and speaking to the press, etc. One thing I would point out as well with regards to that tagline is Cho. One thing I liked about him was going back to your point, Alan. He did play, you know, left, right, and centre, uh, whereas um, our other alleged target is simply a central. Um, striker. So I found that pretty interesting as well. But um, it's been absolutely intriguing. It's always a pleasure to uh, hear from Br- uh, Brian and Alan. Always a pleasure. If you want to come and see the whites of our eyes and see us in action live, then Danny McGrain is uh, coming to join a Celtic State of Mind at Gracie's in Glasgow in March. Ticket link is underneath the video. Thanks, everybody, for supporting what we do. As I say, 750 on a Friday afternoon is phenomenal. Hope you have a fantastic weekend, and we'll be back for the game tomorrow. All that's left for me to say is Brian Degnan and Alan Morrison. Thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.